This is Jamin, and you're listening to the Happy Market Research Podcast. Live today at Predictive Analytics World, I have Jeff Todd, the Senior Technology Expert at Wolfram Research, Inc. Jeff, thanks very much for being on the podcast today. Thanks for having me, Jamin. What do you think about the show? I think it's great. Uh, there's a collaborative spirit that I feel like a lot of the people here, um, you know, as an industry, I think people are all trying to solve uh, a lot of hard problems now. Uh, for a while, I think they were trying to get uh, data all into one place. Yeah. Uh, now that they've got it there, uh, they kind of the real problem ahead of them. So uh, I think everyone's kind of up against the same wall. And so rather than trying to everyone get their own competitive edge and find a way to, you know, outsmart the other people. They're all kind of just here to learn and, and figure out the same problems, uh, which is really exciting. It definitely feels like the rising tide principles applying here where it's a lot less cutthroat and a lot more collaborative, recognizing the fact that we're at the very early stages of massive growth inside of major and, and I call it minor, not in a negative way, but small organizations where customer at the end of the day, right, whether it's like optimizing your um, uh, production line or being creating outstanding customer experiences, data plays a key part in that entire ecosystem for success. And, you know, the, pro the proportion of the decisions that are happening in the organizations are still uninformed. Right. And so, I mean, in that in that way, I'm kind of like say, saying we've got a, an outsized opportunity in front of us for growth as it relates with uh, insights inside of companies. Yeah, I think that's exactly right. I think, too, uh, we see many organizations that are trying to achieve automation um, for a variety of tasks that have. Uh, traditionally been uh, manual tasks, mm -hmm. um, you know, and that'll divert a lot of human resources. And you certainly hear about machine learning, neural nets, AI, uh, as a fear of interruption to folks like cab drivers and truck drivers and replacing them. And, you know, the question of what do these people do? Obviously, there's going to be a place for those people to go. Um, you know, I think always evolves and expands. Uh, but uh, I think it's very exciting that you have both the type of uh, AI and, and machine learning outcomes that you have where we'll be able to get more insights out of the data to be able to make new decisions, make new discoveries, new innovations, and kind of push things past and, and, and have that growth you're describing. At the same time, I think we'll see a lot of our world start to change a little bit uh, as things that we've traditionally been used to interacting with humans become less and less so, which we already see at say, shopping markets, uh, grocery stores, uh, interact less and less every day uh, totally. with people in the way out. Yeah. Yeah. In some ways, that's, that's so interesting. So, so let's back up a little bit. You've been in the industry for a while. Uh, what do you see as one of the mega trends? How, how are we going to be different in three to five years? Well, I think, you know, autonomous driving is going to be probably one of the first major things that most of us see a huge change in our regular day-to-day -day world. Yep. Um, I think that it's, I mean, it's already happening. Uh, cars are already on the road, as we can tell. Um, I was just riding along with a friend of mine who had a Tesla, marveling at the uh, ingenuity uh, of, of speeding down the highway. The autopilot is crazy it's amazing i i was actually you know just transfixed on the uh, screen uh, watching it interpret all the cars around and in fact uh, asking my friend you know how how his experience was uh mentioned that it actually reacts faster than he reacts yeah. when someone is about to do something dangerous i got this is so i drove from uh fresno to las vegas as opposed to fly it's a six hour flight or sorry it's a six hour drive one hour flight um, but you know, by the time you're done messing around and I had to take some stuff, this equipment and things like that. So I'm just going to drive, enjoy it. And, um, I use autopilot about 30% of the way I wound up getting a flat because I didn't use autopilot and I thought I would speed and I hit a bad spot and yada, yada, yada. Anyway. So like, dang it. Why did I take over? I should have let the machine do it. <laughs> 
<laughs> right. I, I think you'll find that's going to be, you know, a lot of things. Uh, you know, even people who have, you know, fears of the future right. um, and uh, and issues potentially with it. I know uh, my friend was ready to embrace that technology. His wife was not. Right. Uh, she was very scared to get my in the car. My wife's the same. Yeah, and use that. But uh, she took a long trip. Um, you know, several hours and, uh, you know, that completely changed her mind. Uh, the fact that she could kind of just sit back and relax to some degree yeah. while the car did the work. Yeah. I think people are going to come around to the use uh, of automation yeah. to um, ve not only vehicles, but other parts of their lives uh, that begin that. I will be surprised if we don't see a little bit of a backlash at first uh, from that, uh, as well as maybe even a return or a renaissance of human interaction as we get more and more uh, separated from that experience. I think people will actually in certain areas want to come back to that. I, I mean, I think that's a really good example. You know, you're seeing that right now with um a uh, little bit more investment from Amazon into brick and mortar bookstores, which is hilarious. Uh, and then you've got, you know, I think about the grocery this disruption, as you already pointed out, that's happening in the uh, grocery space, where now you have like fully automated, you know, just load up your cart and leave uh, frameworks. But like, there's some interactions in the grocery store that I really like. So I could see that after the pendulum sort of swings all the way over, I could see like you having a human butcher or right that kind of person mm -hmm. you can talk to and ask questions and mm -hmm. you know still get that 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 connection it's not to your earlier point you know it's not going away i think it's just augmenting it's going to create higher value opportunities for us as opposed to you know worrying about the um ones and zeros and uh side of life so it's a it's an exciting time i agree i checked out wolfram a little while ago and i've been on wolfram Alpha for about the last 20 minutes because I Wolfram uh, WolframAlpha.com. It's like a Google-like search engine, but it uses NLP. Now this is a layperson telling you what you do. <laughs> so oh, you're doing great. It's all Keep humility going. at this point. Uh, uses NLP to and a bunch of fancy math to. Uh, you can ask it a question and it will search many many different data sources um, after interpreters interprets your question, and then it answers it in a way that looks like a human being put a report together for you. It's, and then it also incidentally has all the reference points so you can see what data has been used in the context. Um, it's been gathered, et cetera, et cetera. So Wolfram Alpha is a really neat resource for anybody that um, wants to get more information about a certain subject, which is crazy that I just now found out about it. I feel like I've been behind. I'm glad that we can bring that to light now with this podcast. Maybe you could tell us a little bit about Wolfram and what did you guys do? Sure. So yeah, Wolfram Research is a 30-year-old technology company. Uh, we've been around a long time. Uh, That's 30 years, folks. 30 years. Uh, 31 probably here in June. Um, actually, uh, so it was the brainchild of Stephen Wolfram. Uh, Dr. Stephen Wolfram was, you know, kind of run-the-mill physics genius. Uh, that 20-year-old uh, PhD. Uh, 15. 15. I'm sorry. Yeah. My bad. <laughs> no That's problem. It's a big difference. It, it like is a big difference. Too. It is a big difference. Uh, so in his research, uh, he found that he was growing frustrated that if I wanted to pursue uh, statistics and probability, I had to learn one language. If I wanted to do machine learning, I had to learn a whole new language. If I want to do image processing, yet another language. And I had to make them all work together. Uh, and I, you know, and so I believe the belief was that it didn't, there should, that was not an ideal situation. 
There should be one language, a uniform approach to any kind of computation. It should be high level. It should be intelligent. It should be automated. It should be integrated. There should be a lot of intelligence put into it so that I, the end user, uh, have the quickest route from my question to my answer with the least amount of coding. And so that's what we've been doing over the past 30 years. And that's one of the reasons why Wolfram Alpha can do what it does, as well as why you haven't seen another Wolfram Alpha from any other competitor come out in that time. Because there just isn't a way to replicate that. You'd have to replicate the 20 years of the work that led up to the ability to create something like that. Uh, so we work with all kinds of industries. We don't have any one particular segment or market that we're heavy in. Uh, we work with anyone who needs to do computation, which is pretty much everybody these days. Yeah, to say the least. And I mean, the programming language you developed, that was in the 80s, right? That's right. Yeah. So I mean, a long time. Like there's a lot of... Um, Heritage, I guess, in that I'm really surprised I haven't heard more about Wolfram because I mean I was doing stats in the nine through the nineties uh, using SPSS predominantly, but I intuitively from what I've gathered so far, it mm -hmm. looks like I could do similar get similar outcomes easier had I been using. <laughs> Wolfram. Yeah, it, you know, there, there definitely has been a, a progression of features that have been added into the language over time. And I think in the beginning, a lot of the symbolic math was predominantly what people you know, knew it for and used it for. So it got a heavy presence in academia. Um, and I think then as it matured, um, most people maybe, you know, had an idea that it was this symbolic package because that's what we started with. Um, I mean, certainly could do numerics, but, it, you know, in its day, that wasn't the focus. Um, later down the road, we began implementing just continuous and huge amounts of functionality, entire sets of functionality that would equate to a third-party program, um, you know, several third-party programs each release. And so we began to become this extremely comprehensive system that I think, as you say, not as many people knew about. And so they would come and revisit, and I think I have yet to have someone visit the booth or come and talk to uh, in person where their jaw doesn't hit the floor, at least at some point in time, where we show them in one function what they remember taking them half a week and 100 lines of code to try to figure out. So Wolfram Alpha is free. Yes. How do you make money? So Wolfram Alpha is free. There are some pro features that you can subscribe to. So a lot of students um, are customers of ours, and they will go in and they'll put in all their kind of difficult symbolic integrals and differential equations, even calculus and algebra as they're trying to learn. And one of the nice things about the pro subscription is it will actually allow you to show steps on every one of the problems. And so I think I would have, I certainly wish I had that when I was in college uh, because I had my teacher for about one hour a day, and then I had the back of the book with all the answers, but I didn't have how to solve everything for the rest of the time. And so Wolfram Alpha, to some degree, uh, has actually been a substitute teacher uh, for many people in helping them work uh, through that. We also have a custom version of Wolfram really Alpha. Really quick, before you talk about the custom version. So have you seen Incredibles 2? Yes. Okay, so like that scene where he's like, new math? <laughs> that's right, that's so, right, no, yeah. That's like right there thinking, that's awesome. I can't wait to get home and show my kids how smart I am. That's right. Well, you know, and I've had so many people say, you know, thank God it saved my life in college. Yeah. You know, you guys were the reason I graduated. Um, and, uh, and, you know, parents, I often, every time I have uh, meet somebody and I say, do you have kids? And they say, yeah, I've got some people who are just about heading into middle school or high school. I say, go find Wolfram Alpha. It's going to save your life when they come home and show you the math you've never seen before. It's going to help you out. All right. You're saying pro. Yeah, so um, we actually, as a means of making money, so we actually have the ability to take the technology of Wolfram Alpha, the free site, 
and everything that we've put into that and layer that on top of organizational data. So imagine being in your corporation and you, the CEO, CFO, managers, employees, being able to ask natural language questions of your own data and being able to get that back, as you said, as a report like a human gave to you, ad hoc, with no prescripting, with no you know business intelligence, no uh, IT guy that's gone off and made this one-off thing for you. It has the intelligence kind of baked into it. So there's an AI, sits between the person asking the question, all of the data and all the algorithms, it go, you ask a question, it goes out, finds the data, finds the appropriate algorithms, applies it, supplies you back with the reports, the answers uh, in real time. So you can continue to ask questions rather than wait two weeks for report number one, wait two weeks for report number three, and then forget what I even asked for. What kind of data is it able to query? It can query, you know, Thinking about at an organizational level, like are you guys pulling in stuff from Excel files or... Yeah, it could be any, you know, it supports 180 different file formats. So that could be Excel files, CSV, text files. It could be JPEGs, GIFs. It could be a wide range HDF5. It could be a wide range of file types. It could be any kind of database. It could be streaming. Um, even, you know, for example, we have, you know, financial data in the free version. You can ask it, what was Microsoft's last 30 days closing price? Um, you know, that will change as you, or, well, uh, that, the, uh, if you ask it throughout the day, that will change as it updates because it's a streaming service that we will pull down from. So there's a variety of different data sources that you can feed into that. It could be images. You could perform image processing techniques in real uh, natural language on images that you have uh, somewhere in the company. Um, so it's a variety of things that they would want, and it could be every department. Sales could be looking at sales figures. HR could be see, could see what team member is on, uh, under which manager. They could see what projects people are working on, who has a birthday today. There's all kinds of variety of, of things that they could use, as well as engineers could have entire specs of their uh, uh, models of their machines um, that they would might want to ask, does this bolt fit this specification? And we have connectivity and we've, we've worked with uh, Amazon Alexa, we've worked with uh, Apple Siri. Uh, so there's actually ways that you could ask a question live. And I've actually worked with uh, folks say like Dow Chemical where they've got their hands in the, the gloves, they're doing chemical experiments and they would like to ask a question. Maybe they need to know the melting point of methanol right now. Uh, seems important to me right now. I never thought of it until just now. That's right. But now it's like the most important thing in the, the world. The most important thing in the world. So they want to ask that question. Instead of having to stop the experiment, pull their hands out of the gloves, walk 15 minutes back to their office, ask the question, come back, they could just ask, hey, Alexa, Alexa right ask Wolfram, what's the melting point of mouth and all? Get that and then continue the experiment. That's really cool. I mean, it's really, the, is part of the challenge in the market, it's so broad? Absolutely. It's, it's a really hard thing to have a, a little bit to help every, every single person. Um, people often ask, you know, which market do you guys, uh, you know, market to? Um, which vertical are you guys in? Yeah. Uh, what solution space do you guys fill? Um, and I often have to just show them like a list of literally every other technical program that exists and say, this is our list we compete with. Wow. This is our list that we have to sort of know a little bit about. Because in a given week, I might talk to... Morgan Stanley, I might talk to Pfizer, I might talk to Disney, I might talk to right. Nationwide Insurance, uh, and all about different things. They're all doing computation and working with data, but they're all after different industries and different markets, and we kind of have to be able to know a little bit about, about everything, which yeah. can be difficult. Yeah, for sure. Well, the good news is math is math, regardless of the sector. So the applications, the context is important, though, to your point. And you do need to be like a subject matter expert, so to speak, in, in these every freaking sector. It's it can crazy. be tough. It can yeah. be tough. <laughs> Uh, as you you think about like the success that you've had over the last few years, do you have a specific customer story that resonates with you? And you're like, gosh, this was such a great, um, great outcome for the or ex example of the, uh, them applying Wolfram to their business and getting some benefit. 
I mean, I think stuff, anytime that you can be part of a technology or integrated in technology that you use every day or that you people you can point toward, I think a lot of times that our technology gets used in a way that is obfuscated. Uh, you know, it was in a research, in an R&D step, um, or it was by some engineer, and you never get to see the, the eventual outcome. Um, people don't necessarily know that you were part of it. Um, obviously, it's nice for me to know that when people are using their iPhones or people, when I'm at home talking to my Amazon Alexa, um, there's a part of Wolfram in the back end maybe helping with that. Um, on a personal note, though, and I was just talking with someone here from NIH um, about a potential project with them, uh, we, had a, a, we worked with a company called Christie Health, um, Christy was actually a person that had a, a really hard life. Uh, they were, I think, the first heart and liver transplant in the Western U.S. Wow. Um, they also had a kidney transplant last year. Wow. Um, they, you know, and so uh, Christy was uh, the wife, uh, partner of uh, the person that ran Christy Health. Um, in doing so, he found this huge issue with reporting medical data. So as he would do dialysis and as he would work with her and all these things, he found that there was just things were getting scrawled on notes, things were not getting reported back correctly, and it made it really difficult for him and for Christy to be able to advance and to be able to get better and be treated correctly and for doctors to understand what they have gone through. And so he actually used our technology to stand up services that other people like him and like Christy could actually download themselves to better manage their own health because it's so important. And so when I get a chance to work with organizations or work with people who are really making a difference in our day-to-day -day lives for things that really matter, like people's lives right. and their health and their love for each other. That's actually a really great thing to be a part of. Oh, for sure. That's awesome. I love that story. You know, you've seen the industry of evolution, looking forward three to five years. How are we going to be different? That's a tough question. Um, obviously, is it, it's think, actually really tough. Yeah, <laughs> you know, and usually I think we uh, rely on uh, Stephen Wolfram to to live five years in the future for us, <laughs> right, uh, yeah, and that'll that'll be we'll, out. So we'll maybe I'll it. just look and see what's going to be in Mathematica thirteen, and I can tell you what the <laughs> next three to five years is going to be. <laughs> the Nostradamus of our day. I mean, you know, interesting story, right? Uh, so today. Um, I think you'll see in the news, uh, uh, you know, Python, Jupiter are just discovering and touting the idea of notebooks as an interface for programming. Um, and, in, and many people are saying, oh, this is great. Now I can marry, you know, my, my text in line with my code, in line with my results. And it's an awesome way to show people all these results. And uh, we always get a little bit of a chuckle because we actually had the notebook 30 years ago. And that's been our main uh, way of working in Mathematica for all that time. So talking about living in the future, uh, I mean, that was, that was started 30 years ago. Wow. And it's just now kind of becoming the thing. Yeah, it's funny, huh? Like all these old school practices, uh, and like even the cloud, we were doing cloud computing back in 2000, but uh, it was not called that. <laughs> we didn't have that, we didn't have everybody launched their cloud solutions and it took me like two years to figure out, I need to start calling what we're doing the cloud. Yeah, right. It's funny. <laughs> yeah, in terminology changes, I think we're gonna see a lot more, I mean, uh, it's interesting because every, I think, you know, four or five years, there seems to be a trend. So, you know, so before all of the machine learning and neural nets, which in AI, which is like the huge trend right now, uh, you know, it was all big data. It was how do I process all this data and where do I put it? And I need to set up a data lake and I need to figure out where we can have and have a strategy for that. And before that, it was probably GPU computing. And before that, it was grids and clusters. And how do I get more out of what I, I might, you know, my, my stuff. And these days, I don't hear about grids and clusters anymore. I don't even hear that much about GPU, even though it's still a great part of the you know, computational yeah. landscape. Um, so I don't know what the next four or five year thing is going to be where everyone gets crazy and goes after it and it's going to be the next uh you know big huge topic that we have uh, a conference around yeah that's right that's awesome that's awesome so um conference has been interesting great speakers great attendees 
how lead generation is all that going pretty well for you guys? Yeah, you know, I mean, I've, I've been at shows that have had 1,000 people. I've had shows that have been 50,000 people. And wow. it's really about whether you're at a show where your message and your technology right. is relevant to the people that are there. Um, and I've had, you know, been to shows where we get 1,000 leads and not a single one of them is really any, worth anything because it was just not anyone that's relevant to what we do. Um, and we've been in a show like today where almost every single person I talk to has an extremely relevant problem that we can help to solve. So certainly I'd much rather have a discussion with those people every day, all day, uh, than just be at a show and just chug numbers all day. They are my favorite type of people. Jeff, if somebody wants to get in contact with you or Wolfram, how would they do that? Yeah, so you can email me uh, jtodd at wolfram.com. Uh, certainly, you can just call in the Wolfram direct line, 1-800-WOLFRAM, and uh, ask for me personally. I'd be happy to uh, talk with you. Uh, or you can just come on our booth here uh, at uh, Predictive <laughs> Analytics World if anyone's uh, listening. <laughs> and uh, and come on down. We'll be we'll happy to walk you through a demo. Of course, we'll include that information in the show notes for those of you who are listening. Jeff, thanks very much for being on the Happy Market Research Podcast. Yeah, thank you so much for having me. Those of you who have found value in this episode, if you please take the time, screenshot, share on social media, LinkedIn, Twitter, I'd greatly appreciate it. Have a wonderful rest of your day.